how do we how do we want to start the, i don't know man you're the you brought it here you're you're the doctor on this one so what should we, you prescribe it what should i start? i mean what's the way gotta, we should go you gotta have your meat and your vegetables you know so all right yeah. well i guess we first we please we start with the going right He's flying. Here, this is <laughs> this will be this will be in honor of Hot Rock Supergiant. This is what he ma- this is what he does at the beginning of his show. Okay, he all like he'll have gummies and he'll hand everybody on the panel a gummy. I'll be like, all right, all right, here we go. We're all on the same page. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah, not bad. I don't really get any hint of cannabis. Not at all. No, not at all. And that's great. That's exactly what we're looking for. My wife, she, when I first start, got into edibles, that was her biggest complaint is she does not like the cannabis taste. And so there's a lot of people that don't like that. We have, so we have two other flavors. We have a pineapple guava and a, a raspberry sorbet with that cherry sarsaparilla just, it hits good. It does. I and agree. I'm, oh, fire. You have a lighter? I just thought of that. You can pause this. There we go. Yeah, so you would have think that that would have definitely been something that would have came prepared with. Okay, so. All right, so we got the Bubra, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever watched Hot Rock Show, okay? But basically what Hot Rock Show is, right. is like a cannabis version of Adult Swim. Okay. Everybody sends in their videos, they send in their music, right? So like I said, we start the show. He gives us a gummy, whatever. So I kind of do my thing. Hey, um, you know, mm-hmm. Rare Barbario, TCK, this and that. Kind of introduce myself. We talk about the bubber for a second, you know. He's got his segments, goes through his things. I mean, we just, we keep smoking bubber. We keep smoking. I'm doing dabs with studio audiences, Darren, okay? And I just keep going or smoking or smoking. And at one point, all of a sudden the video stops. And at one point... It turned into an interview and I literally stopped and I was like, I looked at it and I was like, man, we got to stop. I was like, this turned into a talk show. Like you got to play a video or something. <laughs> I was like, this get bad. Like we need to, we need to change this. Kind of change up the vibe. So what did they, what did they think of the, of the Bubba? I mean, everybody has been really kind of blown away so far. Okay. Like I said, this is the one that, that was black and white. So check that out. And then you grind it up, it just, the flavor, that, that flavor, the smell just completely changed. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So now it's not like rotten fruit no. anymore. Now it's like this Jack Herrera Bubba Cut. It's yummy fruit. Man, that is really good. So you said when you've been working on this for almost two years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was just... Getting the strong mom of the frosted flake mm-hmm. and making everything dominant and here you go, man. All right, here we go. Literally just getting it to perfection. Um breeder mom was a F twelve when we started with it. And the uh the cross pollens were a F four. What is it what is that? That's a rating skill, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a so basically you can go by genotypes and phenotypes. There's a G scale and an F scale. Okay. Uh, the genotype is when you literally take the plant, you have a male and a female, you breed it, you bring it up, 
and then you have another male and you cross pollinate that exact same plant with the plant that you were breeding. So you're just straightening out the genetics, you're strengthening it to bring it up to its next level. Bubba taught me the secret where every two weeks you could flip plants. And if you had a male, the females would produce bud. And then you could just hit him with the pollen because the male would already be there. And you would skip a generation. So every month you'd be like, and that's why it took a year. So it took me a year to get to F12. Okay. And then we cross-pollinated that with the Space Queen OG and the cookies. Okay. The funny thing is, is the Space Queen came out more dominant than the Cookies blend is. But the reason behind that is because uh, Cookies is pretty much 60% Bubba Kush. So I can't, this sound like in a way it kind of sounds rude. Like I can't bring something out of the cannabis that's already there. Right. If you will. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm just, by me chucking pollen like this. I'm just cleaning up these genetics again. It's one of those things where you're just trying to clean it up to the best of your ability, the best you can. And I think the easiest way to do that now is with really in tissue culture when it comes down to cannabis. That's really where it is. What is tissue culture? So tissue culture is the ability to preserve your genetics in hormones. Okay, so you can literally take, uh, let's say I take a specific cut of the bubra, like the OG cut. Yeah. And what you do is you literally strip it down. So when you're done, it's the stem that's like maybe about three, four inches long. And you take a vial and you fill with hormone. Then you put it in there. Same way that you would grow a clone, cap it, mm -hmm. put it in its environment, and you leave it at a certain temperature with a certain amount of light. And what happens is in its inert state, it literally cleans the actual plant and it literally makes it harmonically perfect so that it doesn't have attributes of flaws in which you would keep skipping generations of genetics, like I said. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you can do this to a point where you can get it so clean that you are basically creating the McDonald's of weed. You're literally just, it's all, it's literally two beef patties, a special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, out of sesame, seed bun. <laughs> Every time. It never changes. Um, in a commercial sense, this is great. Because if you, as the consumer, are going to the dispensary looking for a specific strain, medicinally, and it's, the consistency is the same. Mm -hmm. You're going to win hands down every single time. Uh, it's like people, when they want their Bud Light, they know it's the same thing. The there's a reason why McDonald's has served so many people. Because everybody knows when they go through there that the medium fry tastes the same way every single time. Just like a Big Mac or a Quarter Pounder or anything else. It's the consistency of it. Yeah. That, by the way, that hit, that was great. That was straight to the front of my head. I really liked how that came on. Like, oh, this is we're, right, we're just right up there. That was beautiful. We're just getting started. Oh, I'm excited. That was. There's something about a lot of cannabis that's sold in commercial dispensaries nowadays, and you just don't get the effects of of what I just smoked right there. 
Well, I think a lot of it is uh, what we call in the industry shaken. Okay. So you got a lot of trimmers and they're not doing it on purpose. You know, they're sitting there over this huge vat with the screen and they're trimming, they're trimming, they're trimming, they're trimming, you know, and they're just trying to get their job done. But what they're, what they really don't realize is they're literally at a point of cleaning a good portion of that initial trichome up. Yeah. You know, if you look at a lot of the bud that I brought you here today, Mm -hmm. I mean, I trim it, but I don't get commercial, like really down and dirty with it because my bud's tight. You know, like I know it is, it's just. You actually have still long hairs and stuff on it though. You have a little bit of some of those tiny little bits of the, the leaf that's left on there, but it's covered in trichomes. Like it reminds me, when I got first started in cannabis, my first <clears throat> introduction was uh, up in Northern California, up in the Trinity, um, outside of Reading, and was trimming. And we didn't, we did not trim like the way that you see that commercially nowadays. Like we took the time, you know, mm-hmm. we had a quota that we had to meet, yes, but like we took the time and it looked like what you had. And to be honest, yeah, like this stuff, this, I always take me back. I always compare stuff nowadays to stuff of like stuff uh, of years ago that was, you know, nothing special. It was just growing well. And it's something about the, I swear, the terpene content, it just, it hits you differently. Definitely medicinal cannabis. What, what, when did you start, bro? We didn't get into that too much. That was something I wanted to, you, like when you got with Bubba Kush, right? And like to tell people for those that like, Talk to us. Oh, um, how I don't know. Just tell your story. So, when did it start? What got you into growing cannabis? How did you even get to that where you joined up with them and you came on with them? Yeah, that was. was. So I started when I was like 15 years old. Um, my parents, or my mom's Irish, my dad's Italian, and okay, they're really old world, and they just always kept the garden. Um, and as a matter of fact. I I grew cannabis so much that I actually taught myself how to breed on accident because wait wait what do you mean breed on accident like I had, I mean I was just a kid you know so I had no idea that cannabis was asexual it could be male and female and like you know what I mean like I had no idea about any of that okay so of course I grew a couple plants and then those plants and then I saw this weird plant and I was like what is that you know I mean back then. You couldn't just get on the internet and be like, hey, I have this, uh, you know, like, you know, so all of a sudden I'm like, by deduction, find some information. So you'd be like, oh, well, the plants that grow buds are females. And then, you know, if you get other plants that grow pollen, those are males. Mm-hmm. And if you mix the two together, then they grow seeds, but then you get better weed. And I'm like, wait, better weed. Okay. All right. You know, so I didn't really think anything of it. And it, you know, I mean, it's the 90s. Like, every if you were smoking weed, you were picking seeds out of it. Like, you, there was no, ah, oh, man, wow, we got this amazing, like, crazy killer hydro, like, high-grade shit. And if you <laughs> did, I mean, in the 90s, you were paying 60 bucks an eighth for it in New York. Like, it was, well, okay. Was any of that primo stuff being back then being grown out in New York? Oh, Yeah. Oh, there was. I mean, you just, it was hard to come by. It was hard to come by. All right. So this is my, uh, that's the popcorn Sutton. So this is the New York city's answer to all the West coast stuff because I got, you know, 
getting those calls like, oh, it's mm. New York guys got it, you know, so. And that's where you're from, New York? Yeah. East Coast? Okay. Where'd you grow up? Uh, in Hamburg, right outside of Buffalo, in the suburbs, mm-hmm. upstate, in western New York. I lived in an uh, army brat. My dad was, we were stationed at Fort Drum for okay. years, Watertown. But so, anyway. so 15 is when you really kind of just, just, where were you growing it at? Right in my backyard. Right in your yeah, garden? Just win, the to- win with the tomato plants <laughs> and like everything. And that was... With, that was probably beneficial though, right? Because I've heard, you know, that I've even seen oh yeah, you know, other plants around their cannabis plants, you know, and until, you know, there's always got to be that one, you know, right? My mom's, one of her friends come over, you know, they're having drinks on the patio and she looks at my mother and she's like, Colleen, I got to tell you, those are some amazing cannabis plants you got. And my mother just looked at her and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, those are my tomato plants. And she's like, no, those are not tomatoes. She's like, tomatoes don't look like that. And she's like, but they're growing tomatoes. And she's like, no, she's like, you're, you know, the grower is just really good at, you know, winding the two plants together to make it look like one. So of course I wasn't even there. And my mom calls me. At my friend's house. Okay, so now here I am hanging out. Everything's cool. And all of a sudden, my buddy comes like, your mom's on the phone, dude. And I'm like, oh, that's probably pretty serious. We should take that. Like, I'm like, she's like, you need to get home now. Code red. People know we grow cannabis. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, no, nothing like anything but that. Like, <laughs> did did they know? Yeah, your mom. So she was, she was just playing dumb. Your mom was cool. Okay, okay. Well, no, she wasn't playing dumb. Mm. She she was serious. She wanted the plants. I really did have to move the plants. Oh, okay. Um, you know, there. You no, know, she was she was giving me a heads up. Like, hey, if this is going down, like, you know, That's nice. We should um, go in the backyard and just chop them. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember I told you my parents are Irish and Italian, yeah. so you know mom's getting twenty percent of everything that comes to. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Well, hey, you know, hey, I mean, this is once again, it's <laughs> the nineties, dude. Like, come on, bro. I I hate to admit this, but you know the best drugs in the high school, we had them, and we were hitting the teachers off in the hallway in front of the library on our way to study hall. Like it was that's cause that's just how it was in the nineties. Like everything was just, and if you were in the suburbs, I mean, it was just absolutely insane. And I just, but I just kept with it and I kept reading. Cause once I figured out what male and female plants were, and if you mix them, what happens? And if you don't mix them, what happens? And I was like, Oh, if you don't chuck pollen, you don't grow seeds. I was like, I wonder if other people know about this. Mm-hmm. You know, like as a it child. It was really like that? Yeah, as, as a child, yeah. literally. I mean, at the time, um, you know, I was like, now I'm like 17, 18, 19, and I'm I'm getting really good at growing, but like I'm going, I mean, who wants to pick fucking seeds out of their weed? Like nobody wants to deal with that shit. Like, yeah. you know, like gotta get past this, right? And 
you know, uh, and then one of my buddies was just an old time grower, you know, and he's like, the only reason you got seeds is because your plants keep getting pollinated. He's like, if you don't pollinate your females, they won't grow seeds. And I was like, huh? Oh, sure. All right. So I was growing some diesel and my other buddy was going Cinderella and we grew them because they flipped in 45 days. So you could, I mean, you could just, you bay. And this is in a, like in a basement, a closet downstairs, like in New York, hidden walls, like elaborate shit. <laughs> we just kept going and we kept, you know, we kept finding better strains and better cuts and like meeting these guys, like now, you know, uh, meeting guys like Rick Campanella to get Siller and the 99 seeds from specific breeders so that we could get them to flip fast and like, and you were meeting these guys back when they were just, you know. And that was that was early 2000s. That was 20-some years ago. Easy. Well, I was also, so I was also an international DJ and a worldwide producer. So, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I fulfilled record contracts and I went on tour and I did all this different stuff. You can't just throw that out there. When did, hold on, so. Oh, no, so. When did that happen? It, that that was right, so. Growing all through the 90s and everything, yep. okay? And then in the early 2000s, right in that flip... Oh, yeah, it's taken off. Everything started taking off music-wise. Yeah. And then I fulfilled the contracts. I cut everything down at around 2016, 17. And then I literally rolled out everything. So my buddy, Joseph Smith, contacted me. Uh, and he was like, hey, I got this radio show. It's in the Weeds Prohibition Talk Radio. And it was WGDR Goddard College in in Vermont. Right. And we were the first FCC-regulated cannabis talk show on the FM dial. And I laughed, you know, at first. And the show blew up. I mean, blew up. You know, we were, we were syndicated. We were through Clear Channel. I had FCC license. And we interviewed everybody in the cannabis industry. And then COVID happened and everything shut down. Damn. COVID ruined it. Everything shut down. The radio station, the colleges, everything. Like we couldn't even get to the transmitter to and then of course we started to like go online. Okay. We had a we had a huge push at first online. And then that kind of just died down because there was no way that we could compete with the morning drive time. I mean, we are literally on at eight from eight thirty till nine thirty every Monday, right after NPR, while you're driving your car to work, everybody was listening in the weeds. It was insane. And when that happened, that's when I got a hold of Bubba. Okay. And I was like, Bubba, I need a job. Yeah. You know, and he was like, You can come work for me. You know, and that's what really started to make a super hard push for Bubba Kush brand. Okay. And we really, you know, and then. That's what led me to go back into genetics, you know, and go back because what I found was when we really started getting serious in business, corporations were basically taking everything from us. Mm -hmm. But there was one thing that we had that they didn't, and it was the strains. They're like, I mean, it got to a point where it was so grossly rude that we were literally looking at corporates going, dude. You don't even have any weed. We have all the weed. Like, how can you be a cannabis company if you don't have any weed? We'll just sell our plants elsewhere. We don't have to give them to you. 
we control all the genetics. You guys aren't in control of anything. And they would just look at us like, yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, harvest time would come and all of a sudden it was a completely different story. We were everybody's best friends because we had what everybody wanted. And it's just absolutely horrible because that's just how it is in that industry, which is one of the reasons why I pulled out, pulled genetics back again and literally went into TCK. Um, I mean, I love Bubba. I love Bubba Kush brand and its legacy and everything. And I've got amazing heirloom genetics and still breeding in the whole nine yards, you know, and really solidly for the last real like six years. And I'm, I'm really kind of happy that I made that decision because, um, I'm watching what's happening in corporate cannabis right now. I mean, it's definitely something that we should talk about because, you know, like right now, um, cookies and burner bringing indicted on almost $800 million in, in money laundering charges. 13 different CEOs <laughs> of like every major cannabis company have had to resign. I mean, I'm literally saw stuff before. Do you think he's going to come out of this one? No, no, there's no way. I literally saw the article hit this morning. I saw it in LinkedIn and I didn't see it. I was driving this morning. Oh, no, no, no. And it was literally, uh, was it Canopy or Ianthus? And it says Canopy's major CEO has to resign because of like it, man. The corporate cannabis world is about to, I mean, MedMen, MedMen is so in the shit right now. It's not even funny. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and they're everywhere. What's going on? What's going on over there? They're huge in Florida. They, they, they've lost so much money. I mean, but you know, that's what happens when the CEO of your company gets involved and spending three quarters of your bankroll on personal items before your company gets off the ground. <laughs> nah. What's the problem with cannabis companies, man? You see a lot come and go. You hear when one goes really fast or whenever it seems like one goes downhill, it always seems like it's the worst that's brought out of these people up at the top. Why is it so prevalent in such a young industry? Because this industry is in its infancy compared to anything else that's going on makes so much money and there have been problems and we've like you said we should talk about it when corporate cannabis with a lot of uh a lot of these ceos or owners or faces of them just being well after a better term corrupt um the i mean you just said it the biggest problem in corporate cannabis and why in the end i'm gonna squash everybody into oblivion just in boutique uh is greed I don't grow cannabis for money. I never have. I really never will. I mean, I may sell strains, you know, to private people or different, you know, entities and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I'm really not out there going, man, I got, you know, I got to make this Bubba Walters and I got to have Bubba literally back this me to go into this campaign. I got a hundred thousand square foot grow ready to go and we're popping four moms and 30 gallon pots. We're going to lay down this hundred thousand square foot canopy. And then I'm going to pull down 10% of this, you know, $250 million purse of the, no, you know, I, I've heard it all before. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen it all. You know, these, 
86,000 gallons of water through 2,000 pound hydroponic tables. These girls are pushing like 2.7 million watts of lights. I I mean, insane. I did a I did a uh, consultancy for Buddha. They owned eight hundred thousand square foot facilities. That is so much. Where does that money go? You know, like Colorado. Jeez. Initially, and that that was here in Arizona. That was that was a lot. This was probably eight nine years ago. Okay, so these grows, we, you and I both know, I mean, the stuff that it takes to start up in cannabis, specifically here where we're sitting doing this interview here in Arizona, the most expensive entry price point in the cannabis. Are these people, are these people that are buying in, is that the problem? Is because they're just not actually, they're not like people like yourself most of the time? The people with the money don't know anything about cannabis and the people that know everything about cannabis don't have any money <laughs> and they don't care. Yeah, that's the even worse part. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the what do you call it? The uh, I watch it all the time. It's a uh, series, Shorzy. Okay, Shorzy, yeah, <laughs> and and they make a great point. And he goes, they don't hate to win, and no, and he goes, no, they don't hate to lose. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. Okay, it's the same thing for corporate cannabis growing for greed, right? They're just doing it for the money. I mean, at the end of the day, if they can buy 18,000 auto flowers and pop them in the ground and they can pull that butt out and they can sell it for a premium and the public's going to buy it because they're not educated. They don't know any different. They don't know what it should really look like, what it should really taste like. I mean, it's funny, but uh, so just recently is a perfect point. Okay. And everybody that hears this is going to think this is absolutely ridiculous. But I really feel that there's a, a certain stature, if you will, to this. And selling baller jars of the wax that we're going to smoke tonight mm -hmm. for almost $600. I can't keep them in stock. I'm selling pounds for six grand. I'm selling ounces in between 350 to 500 all day. And the reason why is because... There is a demand for craft cannabis. Mm -hmm. There's a huge demand for it. Mm -hmm. And people will pay a premium for cannabis that is literally grown in living soil. That's not sifted. Mm -hmm. You know, that literally is what it is. Because I guarantee you, when I hand you that ounce... You know, and they look at it and they just, I, I literally, everybody says one of two of the same things. Did you cover this in cocaine? <laughs> or I've never even, I, I didn't know Crystal grows like that on a leaf. Like, that's the other one that makes me laugh. That is sad, man. That is so sad. But I believe so many people, there's so many new cannabis users and their only experience is what you get in dispensaries. I, people like you and me, we don't, we don't go to dispensaries unless it's something that we know. There's very few brands that I, uh, as far as flower that I enjoy, haven't found one out in Nevada yet. Uh, <laughs> I miss back in Colorado. There was one brand I really liked called 710 Labs. Um, but, uh, and I prefer boutique cannabis. I don't mind having to pay a premium dollar. The it's, and it's always, whenever I like, you know, 
smoke with some friends or something and they bring out something that they got from the dispensary and then they look at the stuff that I bring out and they're just like, holy fuck, where did you get that? It's like, well, you know, it pays to know somebody that actually cares about what they're doing. Well, I think that's a huge part of it too. Um, you know, a lot of people tell me that I'm full of shit, but I definitely think it matters that I am the person physically not only creating uh, said strains and curating said strains, but literally growing said mm -hmm. strains, okay? Mm -hmm. A good example of that. You make cannabis in a contract, okay? And now you drop said cannabis off for the proprietor. And then the proprietor looks at you and says, well, that's great. And we're going to grow this out. And thank you very much. But you know, that 10 pounds that you just produced privately, we want that. And you're just looking at him going, why? <laughs> what? <laughs> you're to grow 10,000 square yeah. foot. And you want like, found. Why? What do you want my weed for? You know? And they're like, well about that see even though these genetics are amazing and we're, we're willing to pay you a couple hundred thousand dollars for them that's not a problem okay we're not going to be able to replicate that same quality you know we we can't get that you know tight structure the in-house co2 when it's solid okay just a uh, and that's, that's, we're, we're going to get a little more chatty. That's the Bubra right there. That's yeah. That, the Dab X. Oh yeah. I never hit the Dab X before. That's a, it's an experience. That is an amazing piece of machinery right there. And the, the I'm glad we kind of waited in a second. Cause you're going to hit that and be like, I don't want to smoke the flower anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that is Oh, yeah, I make that by hand, man. Right here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I do not wash that. If you can believe it or not, I literally do not wash that first. I literally am, I have a, I, I have a method of very, very simple. Holy crap. That has so much terps, it's making my nose tingle. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, I haven't had that off of a dab. I have some stizzy live rat live butter, whatever it is over there. Fuck that. That oh my goodness. Yeah, that the bubra is that so is that from is that what 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 did you make that concentrate? Is that from like uh flour? Do you like do the is that extra yep. or is that press or so I have a I can't really get no, that's, that's into the whole yeah. process, but I will definitely share with you a decent portion of it, okay? Mm -hmm. I grow the cannabis. Mm -hmm. I cut down the cannabis. Mm -hmm. I leave cannabis for a certain amount of period in certain setting, mm -hmm. certain humidity, certain temperature. For the cure. Okay? Yeah. And at that point, there's like a, there's like a perfect point and I've gotten really, really good at hitting it every time. Okay. Okay. And you, you just get it and you trim it. And then you just 
literally go is like you wait and there's like a certain window and it's like 45 to say like 55 percent okay okay and if you got the right press and the right temperature and the right bags and the right paper and the right dude you can pull some ridiculous numbers so is that if you're willing to share is that a flour rosin or is that like a sit? Uh, oh no, this is rosin. there. There is no. Is this is flour? all straight nug okay. run. Then I'm gonna say this as a compliment. That is the best fucking nug run rosin I've ever had. Oh, bro, we're we're just getting started. That was fire. There was because the most okay. So most uh, nug run <clears throat> that I've experienced. That's why I, most of the time I don't like rosin. Is it has a, a very just there's a burnt burnt popcorny aftertaste that I don't like, and that's but off of like a off of a dry sift or uh, an ice water hash rosin that doesn't have that normally but that that's so, what i would compare that to and that was in a very in a grade that was so good i am literally eating the exact same thing Bravo. in this process okay and i believe i will tell you guys this i'm, gonna, okay. I'm just gonna, no, that much dude i'm going to oh i'm going to give you one of my secrets here's one of the biggest secrets i can give you guys if you want to create the best oil you possibly can, okay? Guys, got to start doing what's called cold pressing, okay? Mm. Cold pressing, it's very difficult because you got to have the right machine to do it with, like, the right amount of tonnage. Like, like minimum like hydraulic multi-ton. Yeah, it's got to be, like, a minimum three to five ton. Holy crap. Cold, and, cold and cold press it. And it's got to be... I mean, I feel like this is an egregious statement because a lot of people that make dabs will understand why I'm saying this. I've heard guys say 167. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm I'm just going to come right out and say that. Um, I've heard 170s, like 176. Maybe. Maybe in a 90U. Um... I'm usually right like 178 to 181. It fluctuates. You know, it tries to set because it's, it's the settings 180. Okay. 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 But it, it really tries it. It fluctuates. And I know that sometimes it, you know, doesn't, uh, it's not the most consistent, right. but. I'm telling you, I, I got it nailed, man. No, that is, that is, that was so good. Mm. And that's, I just don't get over the nose feel. Cause like I've had that, that nose feel was like off of a, I don't know. That was, it's been a while. I've gotten that off of carts normally, but that off of just a straight nug run rosin dab. I'm feeling great by the way. So relaxed. That is, this is medicinal cannabis. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. 
Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.